welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. Series of Luke, where we're walking through the, the Gospel of Luke and hearing, just learning a bit more about what Jesus teaches in that Gospel. And the theme today is um, one of this uh, of excuses, and yet having a kingdom mindset, uh, an eternal perspective, and and how that eternal perspective can cut through um, our, our excuses. I don't know about y'all, but I had a job in high school. You had one of those jobs where you would go to the bathroom just to take a break, just so like you don't even have to go. You just you just want to get away. Like I was a dishwasher in high school, and have you ever washed dishes before? I mean, it's grievous labor. It's people's food, and it's dirty, it's hot, it's burning your hands, you know. And I was like, I, I just gotta, I gotta go. The, I don't even have to go to the bathroom. I just want to go there and sit. You know, I just want to be alone. You know, and so that was like the excuse, just to get away for a little while and be in the air conditioning. And for those of us that have worked in human resource work, some of you know uh, excuses are come quickly. And here's some excuses from the Society of Human Resource Management. These are real excuses of people that were trying to, uh, people that are late or they're absent for, from work. Employee was sitting in the bathroom and had her feet and legs fall asleep. When she stood up, she fell and broke her ankle. <laughs> That's a long bathroom break. You know, you're in there for a long time. That's, that's true. That, that's pretty true. This is a good one. Employee woke up in a good mood and didn't want to ruin it. You, know. <laughs> you just, I just want to be happy today. I don't need the money. This has happened to me before, so I have sympathy for this person. Employee got stuck in the blood pressure machine at the grocery store and couldn't get out. <laughs> Those things are tight. They're really tight. (laughs) This one's, this is their fault. Employee caught her uniform on fire by putting it in the microwave to dry. Well, that's, that's poor planning on your part. This is my personal favorite. Employee accidentally got, got on a plane. Oops. I have two friends on the Winston-Salem Police Force, um, and as them and many teachers could attest, no good deed goes unpunished, right? They hear a lot of excuses, and here are real excuses from police officers as well. Officer, the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. Okay? It's not my fault. It's his fault. Officer, the accident was due to the road bending. It's it's the road's fault. This one, I'm already feeling this one, so I have sympathy for this person as well. From an 80-year-old woman I stopped. I'm speeding because I don't want to forget where I'm going. (laughs) Oh, man. I've been there. Our car will be there. Well, this following passage, a lot of people have different uh, legitimate excuses in their minds uh, for Jesus. And they probably have good intentions. They probably believe in Jesus. And they have these excuses they give to him. In Luke chapter 9, starting verse 56, Then they went on to another village. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. 
But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. So he's really saying, I'm homeless. Are you sure you want to be homeless like me? I, you know, if that's what you want, then you will follow me. He said to another person, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told them, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So a lot of people have excuses for following Jesus. I would say in our culture today, probably in the history of the world, we have more excuses today, more reasons to be distracted than even they did back then. Um, any other, here are a few excuses I could think of this week that were just sort of general you know, excuses people could have. I would go to church, but uh, we're too busy. Right? We're just too busy. I don't have time. And, and if that is you and you're a parent, you can come to the parenting seminar tonight about parenting in a busy digital age. You can come at 5 o'clock in the dining hall. We'd love to have you for that. But people are too busy. Let me go home and take care of this or that. I would go to church. I believe in Jesus, but my kids won't go. That's another one. Now, if you were like you when I grew up, I had two choices with church. You could either go to church or you could go to church. <laughs> so we went to church. And I'm thankful that my parents helped me do that uh, and got me to lead me in the way that I should go, you know, as Deuteronomy says. Um, uh, here's, this is legit. I would go to church, but it's boring. You know, some churches are boring. It's just a fact. It's not about entertainment, but you should have some life to it. Um, but it's not really an excuse because there are plenty of churches that aren't boring. Uh, another one, I would go to church, but I don't know anyone there. That's legitimate too. And that's a up to us to be using the 555 rule. Five, talk to five people within five feet of you for five minutes that you don't know, right? Just be reaching out. Put yourself in the shoes of someone who's never, who's like, how would you feel if you were new? It's hard. It's hard going into a new school, business, work, church. It's difficult. We have to remember that in people's lives, that it is hard. Um, to help them be known and to know their name, you to know their name. That's, that's really ministry, is relationships. Um, it's more than a worship service. It's, it's life, living with life, right? It's growing together in Bible study and discipleship. That's the church. These living stones, as First Peter would say. Another, um, this is probably the main one in postmodern America. I would go, but I just don't want to. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference in my life, so why should I care? And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, how, well, it, as, as the church is expressed in Scripture, it really should be different. There should be expressions of the Spirit. There should be healing and transformation and, and, uh, and the gifts of the Spirit being used and miracles. So if the church can, there can be a difference if we have that expectation and belief and faith that God could do it. Another one, uh, I would go to church, but they only want my money. That comes up a lot. But hey, ministries need money to survive and to do the work. I mean, it's not about the money, but it's a tool that churches need. Uh, this is legitimate. A lot of people I've talked to over the years, this one, I will go to church, but I got, the church has hurt me in some way. I got abused. I got, I got burned. And we need to be sympathetic to that. That's a real thing in our world today, as many of us know. And that not all churches are good. And we have to be, um, help, help provide healing for people that have gotten hurt by the church somehow in the past. Another one, uh, I would go to church, but they're all hypocrites. <laughs> and I always say, well, join the club. <laughs> because uh, none of us exactly do what we say we're going to do all the time. Uh, that's not an excuse for hypocrisy, but, uh, 
but we're all at least acknowledging it and we're all recovering hypocrites amen right hopefully hopefully here's one of the worst uh, Christians are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good that's terrible that's terrible advice and for one though do you really know anybody that way who is so heavenly minded they're no earthly good I would like to meet more people like that actually I want to meet more people who are so heavenly minded that they're almost no earthly good um, there's not enough heavenly minded people, Christians in the world, who are focused on the kingdom or focused on the things of heaven. Um, there are people, these men in the Luke passage who had excuses. They weren't heavenly minded enough. They were so obsessed with their selfish, earthly, carnal problems that they said no to Jesus' face and walked away. So Jesus was perfectly heavenly minded, kingdom focused. And it allowed him to kind of cut through all the bull and get through the excuses. In a few chapters earlier in Luke, Jesus teaches this thing called the, 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 the uh, Beatitudes, where he uh, is really speaking to the disciples. And he's, he's t teaching on justice and sorrow and how to live out uh, this life with God and keeping an eternal kingdom-focused perspective in the midst really of trial. He's really saying here is temporary and what is to come is eternal. And that is also applicable to All Saints Day. But that here is temporary and what is to come is eternal. So as I read this, see how everything hinges on the eternal perspective. Luke 6, he says, Then Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. There's a, there's a, a future tense. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy. Anybody? <laughs> For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember that our ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. Now, we read this, we think it's just, he's speaking to the disciples. He's not talking to a giant crowd. He's speaking to them specifically and saying, well, you need to persevere in your poverty, persevere in your hunger, persevere in your mourning, persevere in your pain. When you do feel that spiritual dryness, that's where you need to press in all the more. Because you will be satisfied. You will laugh again, even though you feel like you might not. You will. That's Jesus' promise. Keep your eyes heavenward. When you're attacked for being a Christ follower, be happy. It's an honor to be associated with the name. Now, I don't know if this story about John Wesley is true, but it... It, it really sounds like something John Wesley did or would have done. He was worried about not being, he kind of lost his edge. Because he, he, he wrote, I hadn't been persecuted in a while and I was concerned. Because <laughs> people would actually, mobs would go to his house and drag him out from some of the stuff that he taught. I mean, he's teaching biblical Christianity. but um, So he was concerned about his lack of persecution. And as he was on his horse, on the, he stopped in the middle of the road and got down on his knees and prayed to God, God, help me kind of re, re, regain the fire. Let me get the edge back. And he said that while I was kneeling in the road, a rough gentleman nearby saw me, John Wesley, kneeling in the road. And he threw a brick at me. And it missed me. And John Wesley gets up and says, thank God. 
all is right, I still haven't lost his presence. In September, uh, Anne-Marie and my, my, my wife and I and Jeff, our senior pastor, went to a, a conference called New Room in Nashville. And while we were there, we heard a speaker named John Tyson. And he had a, 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 an incredible talk one night um, that he had a phrase that stuck with me. Uh, New Room is a conference for really Wesleyans of all sorts who are really praying and hungering for a spiritual awakening and revival in our country that we are sowing and praying and working to see another move of God across our country. And that is what they're all about. And it's an incredible gathering every year. I think every Methodist should go, in my opinion. Um, but this guy named John Tyson gave a talk. And he had a phrase that stuck with me. Um, and, it's, and it's a phrase that psychologists use. And it's a phrase that's uh, crystallization of discontent. Where your discontent crystallizes to action. And in our culture today, a lot of people are discontent. But it hasn't really crystallized. We're, 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 crystal, we're discontent for many selfish reasons, for the wrong reasons. We're discontent, but we're distracted. And part of that's our news media cycle. Sort of like when you're scrolling through your phone and you read, oh my God, thousands of people have died in a, in a tsunami. And then you scroll down and you see 12 cute puppies, you know. And you have this weird contrast. And so your discontent is sort of discombobulated. And it doesn't get crystallized. But crystallization of discontent is really saying, I will not live with this anymore. Right? It's, it's someone that says, oh my God, I'm in a cult. i got to get out of here. Or he or she is never going to change. And, and I'm, I'm out. That's not how it's going to end. Enough. And for today's church, we can read about moves of God in the past... We can, we can talk about it, but we need to see the move of God in our time today. Come on, give me an amen on that one. We need the help of the Holy Spirit in our culture today. We need to see God bring another spiritual awakening. And he was saying that the crystallization of good discontent was, is the tipping point of spiritual awakening. It's individual lives on the altar of your own life, your altar of your heart, saying, I will not accept this anymore. I'm going to lay hold of God's promises until he does what he said he was going to do. And then it will tip over into the altar of my home and tip over into the altar of my, 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 my city and the culture. And it's, it's, it's a group of people saying it's enough is enough. We need to see God move again. I am discontent and it is crystallized and I will not let go. I, I saw a uh, documentary about this city in Colombia in the mid-90s that was overrun by cartels. Literally ran the town. And uh, they controlled the church. They had pagan occultic worship centers everywhere at the... the um, the documentary was called Awakenings, I think. And a few Christians got together and started praying and said, God, you promised. You, you've got to break this. You've got to break this. And over time, uh, long story short, at the end of this, thousands, probably 50,000 people would fill soccer stadiums to pray and to worship. And the cartels got shattered. And all these, uh, you know, these places where they worship other gods and stuff got brought down and God brought revival to this city. It was an amazing documentary. 
or uh, the, the great Welsh revival in the 1850s in Wales. It was a small little villages. There was two women who decided to begin praying because they realized they had lost all the young people. No young people were in church. They were all out partying and dancing and doing all these things, but they weren't in church. And they were burdened for that. Their, their discontent had been crystallized. And they said to God, you must, you, you please God, save. And they began praying for weeks, months, until eventually, not only one night at a church service, not only did hundreds of young people show up, but a revival spread across that island that transformed thousands and thousands of lives. True story, the police force got done away with on the island of Wales. They didn't need police anymore because God healed so thoroughly the people of that land. Isn't that amazing? You don't hear about that in the history books. This crystallization of discontent. This is how the great revivals in American history have, star have started. It's really like God cleaning out the old wineskin to hold new wine. To clean out the vessel to be used for a holy purpose. The Old Testament prophets in Jesus, they did this. And they used a word that people don't really like today, but it's, it's a good word. It's the word repent. To crystallize your discontent. To say enough is enough. That in America, by and large, the denominational church is largely without power. We're not claiming the power and promises of God. Because the decline in our country is heartbreaking and it should break our hearts. The people that God uses are the ones that say enough is enough. I'm going to crystallize my discontent. I'm going to lay hold of your promises, God, until you do what you promised you're going to do. That's why Jesus said, ask and knock and keep seeking and going and don't let go. And keep an eternal perspective before it will be accomplished. God will see your resolve. But your motivations, though, have to be biblical. They can't just be for general justice or personal anger. Psalm 119 says, Revive me according to your word. That this discontent should be based on a biblical standard. So this could be your personal life today. You could wake up and say, Hang on, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. I've had a lame pile of excuses for a long time. And they're just that. Lame. Maybe today is the day when someone who hears this has a crystallization of their discontent and you say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Nothing's going to come between me and Jesus anymore. No more wedge in that relationship. I'm laying it all down because life's too short. Nothing's going to come between me and having peace with God. Nothing's more important. Nothing is more important than that. But Jesus said in that story, animals have places to live, and I don't. I'm the Son of God. I poured out my life for you, whether you acknowledge it or not. I don't really want your excuses. Don't be discouraged by poverty and hunger and even sadness, as hard as that can be. I want you to look he heavenward like, like me, to be dogged in your pursuit of the kingdom. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes. It's one of my favorites. It's a paraphrase, but it's... If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Because people with a lot of excuses, they don't really get anything done. 
and it turns inward on yourself all the time. I mean, what, what excuses could be keeping you from Christ today? Maybe today is the day where you crystallize the discontent and say, enough is enough. It's not the way it's supposed to be.